All right, all right. How's everybody doing? You doing good today? You know what I've discovered? You know what I've discovered about um, Southern people, of which I am one? The moment it gets the slight, slightest bit chilly, I should say, we get lethargic. And we get cold, like my wife is from Florida, man, and if it dips below like 65 degrees, she's talking about it is so cold here. And, uh, and, and the northerners look at us and really all they can think is bless your heart. I mean, you know that, right? So uh, welcome on this chilly, chilly uh, day. We're so glad you're here. If you're a guest here, my name is Benji, and just honored that you would spend some time. Come on, on the count of three, can you welcome all of the campuses? One, two, three. Welcome to all of you. Glad you are here. Hey, uh, two really uh, housekeeping items before we jump right in today. Uh, about three or four months ago, I announced a Holy Land trip. I like to go about every other year or so. And we had 40 spots, and I just announced it one time on the stage, and it completely filled up. Uh, we've been given four more spots, four more spots. And uh, if you've ever desired to go to the Holy Land, um, let us know. I know the Connect cards have been taken up today, but you can drop one on your chair. We will get that March 27th through April 6th. You will never, ever read the Bible the same again. But again, I only have four spots and would love for you to go. Related to uh, Thanksgiving this Thursday, um, I hope you know how incredibly thankful I am for each of you. And I, I say that sincerely just honored that you would be at this church. And as I count my blessings this Thanksgiving, I want you to know that you will be on that list. Then after that, we turn towards what? Good Lord, where did the year go? Right? And this year, I just want to let you know, I want you to hear it here first. I believe this Christmas series that we're going to do starting December 9th will be the most creative, artistic, powerful, and epic, if I might say so, sermon series we've ever done at the Christmas season. We've done these things before called at the movies, but this is the first year that we have ever done Christmas in the movies. We're going to be looking at the movie Elf. How many of you have seen Elf? Come on. Any of you know any angry elves? After that, we're doing The Grinch, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And then on Christmas weekend, with all those celebrations that we have, we're going to do the Polar Express. And when we say Christmas in the movies, like we literally mean we're taking you in the movies. I'm actually going to be in the movies talking about the gospel as the movie helps illuminate that. If I can whet your appetite a little bit more, check this out. This Christmas at New Hope Church, come with us on a magical journey as we travel through a cinematic landscape, get swept away by the power of sheer awesomeness. Behold the epic scale that will blow your mind. Christmas in the Movies. Coming to a campus near you, December 9th. Oh, we, uh, we've been working on this for about six months, by the way, and I, again, cannot be more excited. Hey, if you love the word of the Lord, say amen. 
Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, I hope you brought your Bibles or your phones or your tablets or whatever. But go ahead and open those to Philippians chapter 4. And I don't know about you, but I am grateful to God Almighty for his word. Can I get an amen? And I've been so excited about teaching you this message this week because God's word kind of teaches itself. And I just want to let you know that we're going to study a text today that there, there's not a more applicable text in the New Testament for helping us deal with being overwhelmed, with helping us deal with being stressed out. She said to me, every single night around 2.30, I'm wide awake and I see 3.30 and 4.30 and then I need to start getting ready for work and I just can't take it anymore. He said to me, every night I need to go to sleep about 11 o'clock so I can get up early in the morning and get to work. But I normally see midnight and 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Another person said, I'm at work throughout the day and then throughout the day I get these anxiety attacks where I start breathing shallow and my heart rate quickens and I'm just anxious. What is up with all of this restlessness. Hear me out. If you're here today and you have anxiety attacks, that does not make you a loser in life. That does not make you any less of a child of God. Hear my heart. If you're dealing with this anxiety, that does not mean that you are not a Christian. It does not mean that your parents failed you. It does not mean that you failed your parents. Listen, you might not have ever thought about this before, and this is going to just blow some of your theology uh, out of the water. But Jesus, I would say, and I've never read this anywhere, but I'm just making the case. I'm going out. I believe it to be true. Jesus dealt with anxiety. You're like, what are you talking about? You remember the Garden of Gethsemane? The Garden of Gethsemane? And he's in the garden press, in the olive press. And he's, he's sweating like blood. It's a, it's a physiological experience that a person can have when they're so stressed out and they're so anxious. He's, he's in that moment grappling with the thought of going to the cross. See, the reason some of you have never really thought about Jesus having anxiety is because you, you just focus on him being fully divine. You know, Jesus, the fully divine one that floats around on the clouds. No, 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 no. Jesus is not floating around on clouds. Think about the cross. When he went to the cross and he hung there. And he said, Lama, Lama, Sabatani, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus was fully divine, yes, but he was fully human. And I'm certain, I'm certain of the fact that Jesus dealt with anxiety. The reality is, though, Jesus did not let the anxiety do him in, but he overcame anxiety. He did not waller in the midst of it. Listen closely. It is not God's will for you to live an anxious, overwhelmed life. Now, some of us are going to face anxiety. There's no way we can live this world without experiencing some anxiety. 
Max Lucado wrote a great book, Be Anxious for Nothing. He actually gets it from this Philippians 4 text. And the point about this text, be anxious for nothing or, or be anxious for, for anything, do not be anxious for anything, is the NIV translation. That when you actually understand the text, when you study the Greek, it's a lot like the English language. There's perfect past tense, present tense, future tense. In this particular verse, it's the active present tense. And what the word of the Lord is saying is, you shall not endure a perpetual state of anxiety. We will all have anxious moments from time to time. But it is not God's will for you or for me to live in a perpetual state of anxiety. And it is into that reality that Philippians 4 teaches us so clearly today. I want to talk to you today. Again, God's word gets all the credit. Because when I lay this thing out, you're going to just be amazed at the word of the Lord today. God's word teaches us today how to move from chaos to calm. From what, church? Chaos. To what? One more time. We move from chaos. to calm. Would you do me a favor and would you stand at all of our campus locations in honor of God's word? Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is what, church? Do not be anxious about anything. There's that verse. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is what? Whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. What's that next word? What's that? Meditate on such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of Peace will be with you. Glory to God. Father God, speak to us today, we pray. Take our minds, oh God, and think through them. Take our hearts and fill with them. Take my lips and speak through them. For if you do not speak today, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And the people of God said together, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You would be hard-pressed... Take my word for it. You would be hard-pressed to find a more power-packed passage, a more applicable passage in the New Testament that strategically lays out a biblical roadmap to move from chaos to calm. What is up with this world that we live in? And I, I'm, uh, Kenya campus, I excuse you for just a moment as I speak to we Americans. What is up with the fact that America has officially become the most stressed out and anxious country on the planet. The land of stars and stripes have become the land of stress and strife. How can this be? Our cars are smarter than they've ever been. We are more technologically advanced than we have ever been. And yet 
third world citizens have more peace than we have in America. In fact, third world citizens that move to the promised land of the United States of America actually report being overwhelmed with the stress and the anxiety of living here. How can this be? Our college kids are feeling it as well. Our high school kids are feeling it as well. I recently read about a survey of 2,000 college students and they shared that they feel more stress and more anxiety today than they have ever felt in their entire lives. The report went on to say, check this out. The average child today experiences the same anxiety today as the average psychological patient in the 1950s. We are just tense. We are stressed out. We are overwhelmed. Anxiety does harm to our necks, to our jaws, to our backs, and to our bowels. <laughs> Chiropractors, have you noticed this, are busier than they've ever been. Chiropractors are like, praise the Lord. <laughs> Have you noticed this? It's actually becoming trendy to go to the chiropractor. Anxiety has us all twisted up like emotional roller coasters. It can make our eyes twitch, our heads ache, and our armpits sweat. And again, let me be clear. I want to be real clear about this. First of all, if you deal with anxiety, and studies say it's most of us, and we all deal with it from some time or another, but if you do, that does not make you a second-class citizen. God loves you, this church loves you, and there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, I want you to know that I'm fully aware that one sermon is not going to wipe your life clean of anxiety. I'm fully aware of that. But let me just say, we could all use a dose, a healthy dose of Philippians chapter 4. Take out your teaching notes. Oh my, you want to write this down. I said just a moment ago, Philippians 4 will help us move from what? Chaos to what? C. Write it down. Write it down. When the world feels like it is crushing in on you, when your stress level goes up, when your breathing gets shallow and your hands start to sweat, see, celebrate in God's goodness. Celebrate in what? God's goodness. Some of this stuff that I'm going to talk to you about today, you're going to know immediately that it is true. Intuitively, something will tell you it's true. You've heard Philippians 4 before, but what's hard is to often stop in the midst of the stressed out time and celebrate God's goodness. The word of the Lord says, read it out loud with me, Philippians 4, verse Four. Ready? Go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Paul is doing what some of you parents have learned to do. When you try to make a point to your kids, what do you do? You repeat it. You say something. One, you, some of you say it three or four times. Right? Paul is saying, hey, Benji, I know you're hard-headed. And I know this is going to make sense to you, but it's harder to do. Rejoice. In the Lord always. 
And again, I say rejoice. And here's what you need to know. Some of you, like, you're not sure about the Bible, and you're thinking, well, this is probably just some fairy tale language, and Paul's probably in some ivory tower with people like David and all. No, no, no. You know where Paul was in Philippians? He was in jail. Not only was he in jail, he was writing under the shadow of this dude by the name of Nero. And Nero was a bad dude. And I don't mean bad in the way we mean bad. He was an evil, bad dude who was threatening the very church and the faith that we up in here love. And it is into that moment, picture Paul in chains, in jail, saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, wait, 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 you didn't hear me, Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, write this down. When you're feeling stressed and you're feeling overwhelmed, do not meditate on the mess, but rejoice in the Lord. Have you guys noticed that the more you focus on the mess in life, the bigger it gets have you noticed that the bigger the mess gets, the smaller God will get in your world? This is why the psalmist, when he was pretty much trying to communicate the very same thing, the psalmist would say this in the Old Testament, I lift up my eyes to the where? To the mountains. Where does my help come from? Come on, say it with me. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You stop and you say, Lord, I want to celebrate your goodness. You ask yourself some key questions like this. Is God still on the throne? Is God still all powerful? Is God still sovereign? Is God bigger than my mess? Does, come on, come on. Does God still hold the world in the palm of his hand? Now, come on now. If he still holds the world in the palm of his hand, that means he still holds you. So you celebrate God's goodness. And when you do that, and you feel the blood pressure start to calm down, Secondly, ask God for help. Ask God for what? What is the first thing? Celebrate God's goodness. If you're going to move from chaos to calm, in the midst of the moment, you celebrate God's goodness. And after that calms you down, you then, you just ask God for help. You actually humble yourself after you reflect on God's goodness, you ask for help. You say, where do you get this from? It's right there in the passage. Look at verse 6 out loud, everybody together. Ready? Go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by and with thanksgiving present your request to God. What a great verse with thanksgiving coming this Thursday. By prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, celebrating the goodness of God. I literally ask for God's help. Hear me out. I've learned this the hard way. I don't think this is in your teaching notes, but you might want to write this down. 
Anxiety, the series is subtitled Breaking Free from Anxiety. Anxiety triggers either despair or prayer. And the wise believer, the person who is moving towards spiritual maturity, which I trust is all of us, we're all on a continuum somewhere. Anxiety triggers either despair or prayer. Choose wisely. Hey, I got to ask this question. This is, this is my calling to just kind of ask you some challenging questions from time to time. How, how's your prayer life? She said, Lord Jesus. I know. <laughs> how's, your, how's your prayer life? I think this is in your teaching notes. Circle it, underline it in red, whatever. The path to peace is always paved with prayer. The path to peace is always paved with what? So you celebrate God's goodness and then, then you ask for God's help. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, what? The door will be open. Now we, now we know that passage, don't we? Do you remember what Jesus says right after that? He starts talking about how good God is. Amen? God is good, church. All the time, God is good. God is good. And, and Jesus then starts talking about how good our heavenly Father is. Look at what he says. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Parents in the house, show of hands. How many of you are parents in the house? You, you, you parents. How many of you aren't parents yet, but you want to be parents? Come on, come on. Okay, you, you, you think it's a trick question, I know. <laughs> Somebody in the back went. Here, here's what you need to know if you're going to be a parent one day. When kids are little, they need you for everything. I mean, it's, 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 it's a mass of needs. The, the little baby comes into the world and they need you for everything. Burp them, feed them, change them, glory to God. They need you for everything. But let me tell you a little secret about, about parenting. And I'm just now realizing this as I got some young adults now. When they reach a certain age, they don't need you that much anymore. And, and when they don't, I don't know how this, some of you, like when they first go off and you're like, they don't need you, you're like, yes, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But then... Before long, they don't need you. And for some of you, for some of us, for some of me, that can be a little challenging at times. They don't need you anymore. But then, every now and then they'll call or they'll text you. And they need you. And I'm telling you, it feels so good when they need you again. Because you get to then be a good mom. You get to be a good dad. And you get to give them and bless them and help them with what they need. Need The same is true for God. It blesses the heart of God when his child, when his son, when his daughter stops in the midst of stress and chaos and just says, God, I need your help. I need your help. 
I need you to come in and bless me through this situation. And you know what else is real powerful? A little side note here. This is why you should memorize scripture or read scripture when you're in the midst of problems. Also speaking to parents, when you are parenting a child, the best way for the young ones, that is, to get what they want from you is if they can ever remind you of something you've promised them. Happened last night. <laughs> Happened last night. And he's up in here. I'm not going to say his name, Joshua Hunter Kelly. <laughs> but I promised him yesterday, I said, son, you're going to get to play Fortnite today. But then football got really good last night. And I wanted to watch football. But Joshua reminded me, I had promised him he could play Fortnite. And I had a choice. If a kid wants something from their parent and they can remind their parent, legitimately, you promised me this? Any parent worth his or her soul is going to deliver on that, right? Right? This is so key. This is so key. That's why you need to remember Scripture. And that's why you need to quote Scripture back to God and say, God, you promised me. God, you promised me that when the storms come, you would carry me through. God, you promised me that when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Here's how I put it. Find a biblical promise that fits your pain and make a prayer out of it. Find a biblical promise that fits your pain and make a prayer out of it. C, celebrate God's goodness. A, ask for God's help. L, leave your concerns with God. Leave your concerns with God. I got a question for you. Come on, come on. How many of you, how many of you have ever taken, let's say, I don't know, um, a computer? How many of you have ever taken a computer in to get it repaired? Show of hands. Show, your computer messed up, messed all, you took it some computer genius in there. Okay. Most of you, but not all of you. Try this one. How many of you have taken a car, a car in for repair work? Show of hands. Car, car, car. Now, here's what you do, right? I know you. I know you. You go in, you take your car, your computer, whatever it is you're getting repaired, and you walk in with your sleeping bag and your pillow. And you hand them your keys to your car. Hey, I, I got some problems with my car. The engine's cutting out on me. Got this light popping up on the dashboard. I want you to, I want you to fix that, please. And they go, okay. And you're like, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay down my sleeping bag right here in front of the counter. And I'm going to snuggle up with my pillow. And I'm going to say, night, night. And I'm going to check it out in the morning and see if my car is ready. Oh, you don't, you don't do that? No, we don't do that. Of course we don't do that. What do we do? We, we leave it. We actually leave the car or the computer or whatever it is you're getting repaired. We leave it with the person who is able to repair your item, whatever it is. If you're going to move from chaos, come on, to calm. You and I have to get better at leaving it with God. After, after we celebrate his goodness, come on, after we ask him for help, then we got to leave it. We just got to leave it. Look at what the Bible says. Verse 6b and 7. Present your requests to who? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will do what, church? Guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Greek for that presenting your request to God, if you really get into the Greek and you study the words, it's actually better translated. Check this out. Give an itemized listing of your needs to God and then leave it. Come on, have fun with me. Indulge me for just a moment. Everybody raise your right hand. Raise your right hand. Come on. Repeat after me. I hereby resign. As ruler of the universe. Oh, oh, didn't that feel good? That's just, that's, come on. That just, that just lifts a load off of you. Hey, 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 It was never your job in the first place. Some of you got weight that you're carrying that you shouldn't be carrying. You just, you just let go. You just, you learn to release it. And check this out. When you're riding down the road, and Satan, this is what Satan will do. Satan will bust up in your business. And Satan will start whispering things into your ear and start reminding you of the things that you have left at the foot of the cross. And he will start to try to put those things back in front of you. And here's what you learn to do. You learn to start saying, get thee behind me, Satan. I have left that junk with God and he's got it. He will start to, people will start to remind you of stuff. People will start to remind you of your past failures. People will start to remind you that you might not look like they think you should look. Or you might not be as smart as they think you should be. And you learn to look at them and you say, get thee behind me. I've left my stuff with God. And then you just rest. You rest in the fact that he's got it. M, meditate on good things. Oh, my. Meditate on good things. Talking about Satan, I just, I just can't help but say this. Listen to me real closely. Your mind right here, those six inches or so between your ears, your mind is the most powerful tool you have in your arsenal to fighting anxiety, to fighting getting overwhelmed and stressed out. What is your mind? But don't miss this. Your mind is a battlefield. And Satan wants to make it his playground. He wants to come in. He wants to cause you to live a defeated and overwhelmed life. He wants to cause you to think about negative things. Bad things. All of the garbage that's in our world today. Maybe you haven't thought about this in a long time, but come on, you remember this, don't you? You were taught this. Garbage in, garbage out. What you allow your mind to feed on will be what manifests itself in your life. Can I just <laughs> remind you that, you know, I'm just a person like you are, and I put my pants on the same way you do, and I got my own struggles. Do you know what I'm dealing with these days? I'm actually going to ask you to pray for me on this. 
I'm working really hard to not pay so much attention to the news. Um, it's, just, it's just a bad habit that I've gotten into. And it comes from my upbringing every day. I mean like clockwork every day. My dad would sit in front of the television and watch the national news. And every day, I sit in front of the TV and I watch the national news. And now I don't even have to watch it at the time that it comes on, right? I just DVR that bad boy. And I watch it. And I'm starting to realize that the news is one of the ways in which Satan can come in and put a lot of garbage up inside of us. I not only do it because it was a habit from my childhood days, I also do it because there was a great preacher in the 20th century who taught a bunch of preachers like me. And it's really true. He said, any great preacher worth his or her salt should have a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. His point was, preachers need to be informed about what's going on in the world. And so you take those two things and it just... It just caused me over the years to get into the habit of watching the news. And the news is just so negative these days. There is no news station that, that really gives unbiased news. You know that, don't you? You want to have fun one day? Here's fun. I guess it's fun for people who are addicted to news like me. Um, some of you are going to think, that's stupid. I would not want to do that. Uh, go watch CNN and Fox. And bounce back and forth. Just bounce back and forth. And then you remember a few weeks ago, I talked to you guys about the phones. We have our phones. And, and we went, y'all got tickled at me because I talked about how guys normally put their phones in the back pocket. Bzz, 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 and all day long, we got these notifications on. Here's what I'm getting at I'm starting to really believe that the mind, the soul, the human being, not human doing, human being, the human being was never intended. To be saturated and inundated day in and day out with all of these negative images and all of this mass murdering and all of these wars and all of this starvation and all of these natural disasters. Is it any wonder? We're so overwhelmed. So if you're like me, like I'm trying to watch less news. Others of you, like, I'm a little envious when I talk to you. Like, others of you, you don't ever watch the news. You might want to watch some every now and again. <laughs> I mean, some of you are like, I don't know, what, what year is it? Is it 21st century? <laughs> what fires in California, you know? <laughs> some of you might need to, need to watch a little bit. But there's a balance here, Right? And many of us meditate on way too much negative stuff. And this is why the Apostle Paul would say this. Finally, why don't you read it out loud with me? Verse 8, ready, go. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? meditate on such things. The power of harnessing your mind to think positive thoughts. 
to take positive thoughts in, to meditate on the things of God, is what will move you from chaos to calm. Again, Thanksgiving is Thursday. Check this out. Anxiety and gratitude cannot share the same heart. Oh, my Lord. Test me on that. Test me on that. Anxiety and gratitude cannot share the same heart. Now, they can jump in at different times and dominate your heart. But they can't share the same heart at the same time. Which is why it is so important to meditate on good, good things. So what do you say as we move towards Thanksgiving? What do you say we follow this biblical roadmap? Come on, from what? Chaos to calm. What do you say you go into this week? And this has been my, been my prayer for you. I want this so bad for you as I want this for my family. And as I'm experiencing this more and more for myself, things I'm just learning along the way, I don't want you to go into Thanksgiving overwhelmed and stressed out. And, hey, ladies, something's going to get overcooked in the oven. <laughs> something's going to burn, man. I don't know where that just came from. <laughs> but, but hey, 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 hey. Maybe we ought to thank God that we got a daggum oven. And that we got some food that can burn in it. I so want you, as I, again, as I desire for myself, to go through Thanksgiving and then through the chaotic, overwhelming Christmas season, experiencing peace. And calmness. I so desire that for you in 2019. I mean, can you believe it? The new year is coming soon. That we as a church, that we as a family could live these lives that are so sacred. You only get one shot around. Do you really want to live it overwhelmed? Stressed out? What do you say? We take Philippians 4. This is why you need, you need to laminate this. You need to put this one on your mirror. You need to put calm on your dashboard. You need to keep this in front of you. What do you say we follow a roadmap? No longer can we be described as chaotic, anxious, stressful, overwhelmed. But no, 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 no. There is a calm child of God. How do you do it? Come on, say it with me. It's going to pop up on the screens. I want you to just end with me in this moment. Celebrate God's goodness. Ask for God's help. Leave your concerns with God and meditate on good things. And the peace, I said the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will not might, not possibly, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Amen.